I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 15, That You May Come Off Conqueror, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 10 and 11. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Okay, so we're actually going to do today's podcast a little bit differently from usual. Typically we talk about the nature of God, the nature of Christ, we talk about the plan of salvation, and then we talk about the um, application, how we're going to take everything that we're learning and and turn it into applicable information for our lives. And we're still going to more or less follow that, but instead of talking about the nature of God and the nature of Christ first, we're actually going to talk about the adversary. We're going to switch teams here for a second. Um, in terms of talking, we're not actually switching teams. Don't, don't, don't get uh, confused there. Okay. So I wanted to start off by reading second Nephi chapter 28, verse 22. And it says, um, and behold, others, he flattereth away and telleth them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And he thus he whispereth in their ears until he grasps them with his awful chains from whence there is no deliverance. And so one of the reasons I wanted to talk about um, the devil is I feel like his, his biggest and most effective tool is convincing everyone he doesn't exist. And I've talked about this before. Um, but I just wanted to, I felt like I needed to talk about it again, that no one fights an enemy that isn't there. No one fortifies against an imaginary force, right? Um, and in these sections, he stirreth up a lot. He, he's very handy with his spoon. Um, so in section 10, verses 20 through 22, he stirreth them up to lead them to their, their destruction. And I, the way that Heavenly Father, the way that the Lord, the way that the scriptures talk about the adversary is very much, he's a user, okay? Like, he doesn't care about us at all. Um, he, I, I picture him, that when I was reading these verses particularly, I thought specifically of a, um, the image that came to my mind was a suicide bomber, right? Where they go into it knowing they're going to take themselves out and they're going to take out as many people as they can, um, with it. And that is how Satan treats his followers. Um, in verse, verse, same, um, section verses 26 and 27, I'm actually just going to read them. Um, it says, and thus he flattereth them and leadeth them along until he draggeth their souls down to hell. And thus he causeth them to catch themselves in their own snares. And thus he goeth up and down and to and fro in the earth, seeking to destroy the lot, the souls of men. He's not in it for followers. He's not in it for, um, anything that has to do with us, we are numbers to him, right? The more of us he can take down, the greater jab that is to heavenly father. And that's his goal. Um, it's to take down as many of us as he can. His sole purpose, um, 
both as singular, right? The one thing that he has, but it's also the purpose is to gain our souls, right? He wants to take down as many of us as he can. And his ultimate purpose is to frustrate God's work, which is to um, bring to pass the immortality of man. Um, and then in verse 63, he stirs up the hearts of men to confusion. And this is, again, something I talked about, I think, in the last podcast where Heavenly Father is not a God of confusion. He is very, things are straightforward. We human beings are the ones that make it confusing. We are the ones who make it more complicated than it has to be. And a lot of the times it's because we're allowing our hearts to be stirred up by Satan. Okay. Um, and then the come follow me asks this question and I thought it was very poignant and I wanted to add it as well is what similarities do you see in the way Satan works today? And I feel like even though the tools in terms of the technology and like how shiny things are <laughs> look different, the playbook is the same, right? It's to confuse us. It's to get us doubting. It's to get us going, no, this is crazy. Um, ultimately, for me, every single time, it all comes back to have your testimony built on the Savior. Because as wonderful and incredible as the leaders of our church are, as your local leaders are, as you are, right, we are all still human beings and by nature are faulted and will make mistakes. Um, my husband and I were talking about this, and I think I've mentioned this before, about how some of the um, early leaders, right, Oliver Cowdery, uh, Martin Harris, some of the early people that were in in the um, the church with Joseph Smith left, right? They never denied anything that they saw, but they left the church. And I remember asking Jake, I'm like, how could they go through everything and still leave? And his answer, like, one of my favorite things he, <laughs> not that he's ever said, but in terms of, like, church conversation, he said, because... Joseph Smith was too human for them. And I think that that's so true is no matter how incredible Joseph Smith was, and he was, he was an incredible human being. Ultimately, he was a human being. He did make mistakes. He let people down and through no fault of his own other than being a human being, right? I'm sure he was trying his absolute best. But the fact is, no matter how perfect we try to be, we aren't, um, which is why you have to build your testimony in the savior. It has to be built on the savior, right? That's why we call him the rock. Um, okay. Um, and the one thing, other thing that the, um, come follow me suggests, it says you can pray and ask the Lord to help you see how Satan may be tempting you. And I thought that that was really smart. Um, which is why I added it in the idea of that he tempts us all differently, just like the spirit speaks to us all differently. Satan, um, knows that we're all tempted by different things. And he is one tricky dude. Like <laughs> I remember thinking as a teenager, like whatever, I'm not going to get tricked. I'm not going to get tempted. I know what I'm doing. No, I didn't. <laughs> yes, I did get tricked. No, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, he's been playing this game longer than any of us have been alive. Right. Um, he's been playing this game since the freaking beginning and he knows what works. He knows what works. Like I said, he has to gift wrap it a little bit differently in the 21st century. Um, but the gift is ultimately the same. It works every time. It's all the trap always works. I will say it's important to note. Um, if you look at section 10 verses two through three and, um, verse five, um, Satan sometimes can lead us astray. 
right? But God will always take us back, always, um, if we're wanting to return, if we're willing to repent, and if we're willing to follow the commandments, he will give us the power and the tools to overcome the adversary. And then I wanted to read verse 69, same section. Um, it says, and now behold, whosoever is of my church and endureth of my church to the end, him will I establish upon my rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. And I want to note here that he doesn't say the gates of hell won't come against them. He doesn't say they, they will avoid the gates of hell entirely. He says the gates of hell won't prevail, which means you're still going to struggle. You're still going to go through trials. You're still going to go through all the hard stuff. The gates of hell are still going to try and drag you down. But if you endure in Christ, you endure in the church, you endure in the gospel, right? You, you hold fast to the atonement and to the gospel and to heavenly father in Christ, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And I think that is incredibly important to note. Okay. Um, and then also in terms of God, first Nephi chapter nine, verse six, the Lord knows all things, right? Like that's one of the coolest things I think to read about the, in the book of Mormon, where you read Nephi writing down, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't understand. Right. But heavenly father knows all things. He understands all things. And I'm going to be a good listener and I'm going to write this down. And then, you know, how many hundreds of years later, thousands, hundreds, I don't even know. I want to say thousands, but I could be wrong. I have degree in English, you guys, not math. Um, years and years and years later, the 116 pages are lost. You can't get re, they don't, um, Heavenly Father says, don't re-translate those. There's a plan in, um, in, in waiting in the wings. And so I've got a backup plan. Don't worry about it. Well, the information's still good. We got this right. And I love the fact that no matter what plans and schemes Satan has brewing in the corners, Heavenly Father's always ahead of the game. He always knows what's going on. And if we listen to him, we're going to be protected and we will be successful. Even if, and I think it's especially important to note this, even if what we think protected and successful should look like isn't what protected and successful look like. I hope that makes sense. Um, okay. Plan of salvation. If you go to section 11 in the doctrine and covenants verses 19 through 21, I feel like, um, as I've said before, we have this tendency as human beings to overcomplicate things. And I love what he says, um, cleave unto me with all your heart that you may assist that you may assist in bringing to light these things of which have been spoken. And then this especially, Behold, this is your work, to keep my commandments, yea, with all of your might, mind, and strength. Seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. Right? And he goes on about what will happen after you've done that. And I think it's so important that I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed, we make it so much more complicated than it has to be. We allow that stirring of our hearts to happen that um, we forget the plan is pretty simple, right? The plan is follow the commandments, 
endure with patience. The end. Like, the trick, really, is the endurance and the patience. <laughs> like, that's that's the hard part. Um, keeping the commandments. It's easy to keep the commandments once, right? It's the keeping them every single day thing. And keeping them with patience. And trusting Heavenly Father with his timing and with his plan. You know, that's the hard part. That us giving up the control of what we think our lives should look like and what we think should happen and being like, okay, Heavenly Father, I'm going to let what you think is the plan and what you think should happen be what I also think should happen. Be what I also think is the plan. That's the hardest part is giving up our control over what we think things should look like. Um, and I think because of that fear to do that, we tend to make things overcomplicated. Okay, so how do we do it? <laughs> how how do we avoid or at least prevail against the obstacles and the pitfalls that Satan puts in our path? How, how do we endure our trials with patience? How do we handle all of this? Uh, well, primary answers, you guys. Um, and the biggest, most important one for me is to pray. Um, you have to develop that relationship with your heavenly father. Um, in the come follow me, it suggests reading pray always by David A. Bednar from the October, 2008 general conference. Um, this is probably one of my favorites. I was, I was reading it. I was like, I remember this. Like I remember I was, it's my first semester of college. When I was listening to this um, general conference, we were in Hawaii. <laughs> so um, general conference is a lot earlier there. Um, our first session is at six o'clock in the morning, which means I 95% of the time slept through it and watched the replay <laughs> because I was asleep. Um, that's just what happens to me at six o'clock in the morning most of the time. Okay. So. He references the Bible dictionary. He reads um, a definition of prayer in there. And I just loved it so much that I'm also going to read it. It says, as soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely God is our father and we are his children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. All right. I love, I think it's important to note that Heavenly Father could have been called anything. He could have chosen to be called anything. Um, and Father is one of the things that he chose. And I love that. Okay. And then the other one I wanted to read was, Prayer becomes more meaningful as we counsel with the Lord in all of our doings, as we express our heartfelt gratitude, and as we pray for others with real intent and a sincere heart. Um, and I just wanted to add, like, I... I think it's interesting. We, a lot of the times, at least for me, I think I always remember to pray, pray for the big stuff, right? If big things are happening, big, scary things. Um, I remember to talk to Heavenly Father about things that I consider spiritual things, but do we remember to talk to Heavenly Father about all the things, all the things that worry us? Um, I have the opportunity to take the, um, self-reliance course on fine on finances um last year and one of the things one of the challenges that we did was to counsel with the lord counsel with our heavenly father on our finances 
And I feel like that's one of those things that you don't typically think to talk to Heavenly Father about. Like, hey, Heavenly Father, this is how my bank account is looking. Like, it's not something that I think that we typically think of as prayer worthy content. Um, but it is. If it is important to you, it is important to Heavenly Father. The end. Um, okay. And so if you're worried about your finances or you're trying to figure something out or see, like, even, even just this idea of like, there's a trip that you really want to go on and financially it doesn't look like it's going to work. And so you're like, Heavenly Father, I really want to go on this trip. Help me figure out how to make this work. And he will, he will absolutely help you figure out how to make that work. Um, in, uh, come follow me. It suggests reading section, 11 and then verses 12 through 14 to learn how to recognize when the spirit is communicating with you. Um, and I just wanted to add, like, I want you to think about your own father or your mother or your best friend or whoever it is that you call when you have exciting news or when you're struggling with a problem or when your heart is breaking. I want you to think about heavenly father in that same way, right? He is that person that you can go to and tell anything, everything, bear your heart out to him. Um, my personal prayers are very casual. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, like, I don't even know how to explain it. What I, what I mean when I say my prayers are casual is that my prayers are not stiff. They're not formal. Um, in the way like a letter to an employer might be, um, there isn't, there's none of this to whom it may concern, right? My prayers are familiar and that's kind of what I mean by casual. They're loving. And I speak to heavenly father the way I speak to my husband. Um, and I would say even with more unapologetic honesty, right? Like I, I lay it out. If there's somebody, think about the person in your life that you are not afraid to ugly cry in front of. And I hope that you feel that same way with Heavenly Father. And if you don't, then maybe start working on cultivating that type of relationship with him. Because I honestly know that when you build your relationship with your Heavenly Father and when you rely heavily on it, everything will be fine. Even, even when it feels like everything's crumbling down and crashing around you, like that lifeline is always 100% there. There have been times when I've literally, like I said, ugly sobbing on my knees and my prayer is literally heavenly father. I don't know what to do. Tell me, like, tell me what to do. And every single time I get an answer, even if it's just go apologize. Cause sometimes, you know, like I said, very human make mistakes. Um, and I think it's important to note that as you build this relationship to pay attention to the thoughts and the feelings and, you know, when you're reading your scriptures or you're listening to music, if there's something that stands out all of a sudden that never stood out before, that's also Heavenly Father communicating back with you through the Spirit. Um, and keep track of those things and you can learn more and more how the Spirit speaks to you. So get a journal, write things down, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>